Hi, I'm Gabby. Welcome to a very special episode of the My Possible Self podcast. Now, usually regular listeners to the podcast series will know that I start off every episode with a bit of a solo introduction on the topic of conversation and a bit of background on the guest that I'm going to be speaking to. Well, today we're doing things differently. I've got two brilliant guests that are going to be pretty much leading the conversation actually for this episode. So I think we should just crack on with the episode, eh? I'm going to get a little photograph, okay? Okay. Yeah, no worries, man. Are you happy with your makeup, Gabby? <laughs> Are you happy with my makeup, John? <laughs> I think you look super. Oh, well, then that's good enough. <laughs> um, you also look great, mate. Everything's good. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Very kind of you. I, I think I might keep all this in. <laughs> 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 I, love, I love when there's authenticity in podcast person exactly I think, yeah, the, world, the world has gone so uh, choreographed someone dropping a mic and someone a dog barking in the background that's me giving an advance warning that could happen <laughs> uh, that's real life you know yeah yeah. we should probably crack on with the podcast day eh? I, thought, I thought we already started there. I thought that was it <laughs> Men's mental. No, I mean, literally, I don't want to actually say too much myself because I just want to open it up to both of you in terms of like getting your insight and opinions on on some um, mental health topics. But also I did ask some men on Facebook, like what are some of the things they struggle with as well. So, again, I just like this to be like really natural. And um, but I'll, I'll, I'll start by kind of getting us into the groove a little bit. Surveys around the world show that men everywhere find it difficult to open up about mental health, though they are significantly more at risk of attempting suicide than women. Well, to combat the stigma around male mental health and to help men address and overcome their mental health issues, My Possible Self, in partnership with The Priory, has created a guided series to encourage men to open up and start discussing their mental health. The series is comprised of several sections helping men understand that they are not alone in dealing with mental health problems. So to both support and run alongside, today's episode of the My Possible Self podcast will be zooming in on men's mental health. And I've got two fantastic chaps to help me look into some of the challenges and emotional issues men often face. First, we welcome... John Belton, head coach and owner of Number 17 Personal Training with a wealth of experience and over 15 different qualifications, raising from physical therapy to life coaching to hormone optimization. John, you promote a completely holistic approach to health and wellness. We've had a great we had a great chat on Instagram Live, which people can go back to. It's on the My Possible Self app under the checking in section. So it's lovely to see you again. And, well, good to see you. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, thanks for agreeing to come back on. Also joining us today, welcome James Walsham, a mental health campaigner and host of the Honest Bloke podcast, whose frank, raw and sometimes challenging content is helping men to open up about their own mental health issues. James, you took part in our You Are Not Alone um, series, which is on the app where we asked five men to share stories about their own mental health journey. There was a line that I immediately noted. I don't know if it was one from one of your Instagram videos or one of your podcast episodes, but you said this line and I thought it was really powerful. Shame is dispelled when you talk openly. So... I think that's the aim of the game for today's podcast. Awesome. Wow. Yes. Thank you for the introduction and great to be here with with both of you. I'm really excited to have the conversation. Let's just kick it off with, from both of your perspectives, what do you think some of the main challenges are mentally and emotionally for men? It can be personally or it can be broader than that in terms of like people around you as well. James, Mm. go ahead. I feel like you've got this. Thank you, brother. Um, so, yeah, where to begin? I think, I mean, the the statement that you read about shame, I think that's something that so many men generally face. Uh, maybe, and maybe they're not aware of it, but so many of us are taught from a very young age to feel shame over a very wide of yeah, a very wide part of the the full spectrum of our emotions. And so, what I mean by that is that we all have a full spectrum. Every human being 
in the world, regardless of their gender, has a full range of emotions and a spectrum of emotions. And we are, as men and as young boys, we are taught from a very young age to hide and feel shame over anything that is remotely vulnerable, delicate, uh, expressive, uh, or, or, you know, in a simple word, emotional, you know, the only one that realistically, I think we, you know, we see it very commonly that men are maybe not shamed for because it's almost like we're taught that we identify with anger as the one that men can be or maybe are allowed to be by society, but only to a degree. So even in the anger that men express, you know, when they do it, often it's maybe under it's it's not very controlled it's not a uh, productive expression of anger and, and we even get shame for that so you know the the way that we're raised in society is is massively massively damaging you know the the messages that we portray to young boys are you know be brave man up don't cry you know this stuff is is hugely hugely damaging and it manifests itself as we go through our development as young boys to young men you know adolescence through to adulthood and we see anger issues within men. We see male suicide rates, you know, at, at, at over three times the rate that, that women, are, you know, are ending their own lives. And it's, you know, there are reasons for that, you know. Um, so yeah, for me, it's, it's all about shame. And it's the fact that we don't feel safe expressing ourselves in a number of ways that are completely natural, completely human and, and necessary. We need to have a safe expressions of, of our full selves and we don't really have that mm. john when you're like working with your clients do you kind of sense that suppression and do people work out or guys work out really vigorously and you can tell there's things going on and maybe they're trying to release let off steam mm -hmm. if you will like what, what are your yeah. thoughts on what james just said yeah yeah 100 i mean james has some great points there definitely and um, actually what i what i see within my own practice and my own clients etc is Sometimes men feel that they should be expressing themselves in the gym and aggressive, like smashing the weights and like throwing weights around the place in manner. And it kind of, it's really echoing what James just said there, that there's the stigma or a stereotype of how a male should perform, how a male should be in the gym, how a male, and, and the gym is a lovely environment. I'm obviously going to say that because once we go into a, a gym, we're all equal, you know, if there's a 50 kilo barbell, there's always going to be a 50 kilo barbell. It doesn't matter if you're a lawyer an entrepreneur or a builder who walks in off the street. And so there's, it's a level playing field. Sport in general does that. And it's such a fantastic space for it. So um, what I tend to see is that, yes, people try to express a character that they feel they should be when they start in the gym. Mm. Uh, but once they start training and once I get to know my clients and once they feel comfortable in an environment, layers come off and a different character comes out, a different child that was scared to fail, a different person who wasn't used to being spoken to in it by anyone with, a, with any level of guidance, never mind authority, um, somebody who feels very vulnerable about their body. You know, all of these layers come out. So I think one of the biggest challenges for men at the moment is awareness. I think self-awareness is such an important tool to, to learn how to harvest, to learn how to, to construct within yourself. We say we're self-aware right up until the point that something shocks us, that happens, and we're like, holy crap, I didn't think I would act that way, or I didn't think that would hit me that hard, or I don't think I was out of order in this scenario. So I think self-awareness is such an interesting thing. I feel like life at the moment as well, is it, you know, we, we go through these stages of acting in a way that society wants us to act, or that we're deemed, you know, is the right way to be. Um, and because we don't get that way to express emotion, express fear, anger, resentment, sadness, uh, love, because we're not getting that properly, then it's coming out in a whole load of mixed up ways, in ways that are, we're also being told are, you know, how we're supposed to do it. Does that make any sense? Mm -hmm. I think the gym shows that and highlights that. So just really to come back to the original question you asked, James, my, I feel like one of the biggest things that's lacking for men at the moment is awareness, it's self-awareness, it's awareness um, of, of, you know, what is okay, what's acceptable to be a man. I feel like Truthfully, I feel like, and this is probably not the right thing to say, but I feel like men are getting a really tough time as of late um, because of the actions of some men in a terrible way and what happens, whether, you know, attacks and terrible things that are happening in society. So men are being told that we're bad, you know, men, you know, like there's Instagram posts that are popping up saying men need to change. Don't tell your daughters to be careful. Tell your boys not to do that. And like, I 100% agree with that. And I don't disagree with any of the 
And that's what I feel like where, where the issue comes is that men are, we don't know what we are supposed to do in a sense. And we're being told, you know, if you, if you put somebody into a box, if you tell someone they've got a mental health issue, if you tell someone they're a bad person, if you constantly hear and see that, whether that's from a, from a, from a friend, a family, or even on social media, you put yourself into that box. So, you know, I feel like awareness is a really tough thing for men um, at the moment. And it's some, something that can be such a broad piece that needs a lot of, you know, conversation around. Mm. Is it quite a confusing time as well in terms of societal expectations? Because there is this sort of shift of like wanting a man to be a bit more in touch with his emotions, but also still wanting to be manly and chivalrous. And mm-hmm. and then, you know, like John, your points about saying about there's some really bad men and then that kind of other men are being sort of scapegoated into this kind of category. And is it mm-hmm. like, do men sort of, are they having a tough time knowing exactly where their place is? Do you think? I mean, I, yeah, I would say 100%. For me, there are a number of reasons why men don't feel as though they know who to go to or where to go to you know again from the shame side of things you know we we feel ashamed that we don't have all the answers and that we can't figure these things out ourselves and again that is another expectation placed on men within society you know we are conditioned from from such a very young age to basically almost compete with each other and we have to therefore we, we show and demonstrate our value by having the right answers. And when we don't, we are deemed as less of a man or we de- feel as though we are failing. So not being able to solve your own, you know, challenges with your emotions is one part. The stuff you said about relationships and, you know, men being confused. Well, hang on a minute. I'm being told that I need to be more vulnerable. I need to open up more. I need to express more. You know, that's also something that and this is not women, you know, and we're obviously talking in a heterosexual context here, if a man and a woman are in a relationship, but women also are victims of the same patriarchal society, the one that sort of, you know, uh, rewards hyper-masculine, you know, traits that really actually are quite, quite detrimental to all of us. What I mean by that is women will absolutely say, and women, again, very generalized term there, not all women, but you know, women may say that they want a man to be more vulnerable and to be more uh, expressive and, and share, you know, cry, be open. But actually, when that behavior takes place, they also really struggle to hold space for the man in that time and in that energy. They actually mm. can respond with, you know, confusion themselves, a lot of discomfort. They don't know how to hold space for a man who is struggling with their mental health. Again, that, that certainly cannot be the case. Women are great space holders and, and are definitely, again, very, very generalized statement here. But understandably, women have a lot more freedom to express themselves fully from a younger age. You know, young girls are, are also given a lot more license to express themselves fully. It's far more, let's say, okay for a young girl to cry than a young boy to cry. But that's also something that can, can occur as well. And, and that also then, without realizing it, can shame a man into not being okay expressing himself because when he did maybe his partner was made you know also felt uncomfortable as well so it's it's definitely definitely confusing wow but i just love that that's so true that i i do you know on a very small level i've experienced that personally but i see that time and time again that's such a great point james that i feel like men again in the stereotypical relationship if they if there's an emotion comes up or if there is an element of anxiety that's Although we are told to be vulnerable, that does come up. That there's a that there's a distance that comes. That there's a fear that then gets transferred across in the relationship. That there's an uncertainty that's there. That is, um, and I yeah, I can really relate to. That. I think that's a super super point, James. Mm. That's something I hadn't thought about before. So how can women and and let's say other men that are in relationships with men, how can we how can we support a man that's like going through a tough time and being vulnerable? Yeah, I think um, it's it's difficult as well, because there's also, it's not the responsibility of, you know, that man's partner to fix the man, you know, that's also something that's really important, you know, mm-hmm. being able to, when I say hold space for someone who's going through something, I mean, just to be able to sit there with them in that space without judging them, allow themselves to express themselves fully, something that is always really important when you're looking at whether it's, you know, men doing their healing work, or, you know, help sorting themselves out with their mental health. 
it's their responsibility. I often speak with a lot of partners of men who are struggling because they're, you know, whether again, whether it's women or men, but I have a lot of women who maybe follow my social media, you know, page. And they might say to me like, James, you know, hi, my, my partner's really struggling. I don't know how to help them. And it is really important that we do say that it's not the partner's responsibility to do the healing. It is the person who is struggling. And that can be quite triggering for, you know, for, for someone who is going through mental health tro- you know, troubles to hear. That doesn't mean that they do it alone. But for the partner or the person who is in a relationship with, with someone struggling, it is, first of all, exactly to prioritize your own mental health as well as try and support your partner so that's really important because a lot of partners can get dragged down because they just love and care for their partner so much that they will you know they'll they'll go into the darkness with them and they will be brought down with them and you know there's great intention there but you know like I said the reality is that the person who is struggling it is their responsibility so whether that is for them to go and speak to a professional a therapist if we're talking about men and men's mental health you know men's circles are one of the most incredible environments and spaces for men to really be seen and express themselves fully without judgment amongst like-minded men men's groups and men's circles um i think that they are becoming more popular i think you know looking on a lot of them are online especially after the last couple of years uh with everything kind of going online after the pandemic Uh, there are some great spaces in, in the online space and great people to follow there's any irish listeners there's the i think it's called the berlin boys club which is actually based in dublin which a friend of mine a guy called uh, mesa he's a street artist and uh, his friend is also a meditation coach connor creighton uh, they created the berlin boys club where they effectively just go out hiking in the wicklow and dublin mountains and um, it's a non-judgmental group guys and you know they meet up every few weeks um it's a fantastic fantastic uh, resource I haven't been there myself but I know a lot of guys who've been on it and been part of the the trips and the days out and they've gotten a huge amount from it so um just if anyone in Ireland is listening yeah yeah I mean you've got uh do you know Pat Davili uh Pat, yeah, Pat does Pat some too. great work over in over in Ireland um a guy called Craig runs an amazing organization called Men Without Masks traditionally they did men's retreats um but they're starting to do online workshops and courses and things like that now but yeah like finding spaces to actually be around like-minded men one of the biggest things that I've learned about opening up and sharing and talking about whatever is going on inside you is that the shame is the thing that wants to keep it inside you. It it wants you to not share and not open up. It will tell you all sorts of lies that, you know, the things you're thinking, the things you're feeling are wrong or unmanly or disgusting. Yeah, exactly. And that's it. They will say that no one else <laughs> is thinking or feeling the things that you're thinking and feeling. And when you go out and you share them amongst men, it will heal it begin to heal that process because every time i've ever done it in my life i have been just overwhelmed with the responses of oh my god i feel exactly what you're feeling i know exactly what you i've had those thoughts i've had those feelings and you go wow i I thought it was just me yeah it's a one time in life where the problem shared is a problem halved really is the case and um, when, when you realize that I remember the first time in my life I ever had anxious thoughts, I thought it was, you know, it was a very stressful period of my life and I had a panic attack, whatever, uh, that, that resulted in an ongoing level of anxiety for a while. And I remember the first time someone told me about experiencing that and she was actually a client of mine who was an extremely successful person in business who ironically was just talking to today, actually. Um, and as soon as I heard that, I was like, okay. So this is a world shared phenomenon. It's not just me. Um, and I think that, you know, th- this is something that we, we see mental health related topics popping up in our social media all the time. But unfortunately, we don't tend to access it until there's nearly a level of need, desperation or something that's kicking in. So that's where I think, you know, awareness of what an- an- anxious thoughts actually feel like. And like James kind of, resonated with me a little earlier when he started talking about when you're in that circle and you you so fear is such a demon of a thing in some ways and then it's also such a fantastic energy to drive you forward with things but when uh, when fear manifests which it has caught me out recently about certain things i've had to stop and sit and really think about the scenario because when fear comes up and manifests itself in many different ways in, in your life it, it always comes up in a unique way it always comes up in a way that you're like 
okay, but it's different this time because of whatever circumstance. And when you actually strip it back down, it's the same little fella that's just popping up there going, you're feeling this way because you're embarking on your chapter in your life that involves this, that, or the other. I mean, we packed up a trailer and drove halfway across Europe to, uh, to live in Portugal in the pandemic. And, you know, should have been something that we were both extremely excited about, but anxiety really rose up there, you know, and it, it, it manifested itself in, in a few strange ways for me. And I had to really sit and do some work with myself to go, this is okay. You know, you're only feeling this because of this. The men's circles are fantastic there. Um, but realizing that, you know, fear is just another emotion that, that can come and that can go. Anxiety is just another emotion that can come and that can go. For me, they were big points of, of change, you know, in my life where, they were actually, you know, you can you can view anxiety as one of the, the greater emotions because it's like a little amber light that flashes in your car that tells you something needs to change. You know, it doesn't let you run into run out of oil somewhere. So like um, the, the conversations around it just need to become more open. Um, I mean, I think the relationship with mental health, it's, it's like. Uh, I think I said to you Gabby, before like in Ireland, if someone in, in, in Gaelic in our language, if we say. Um, I'm sad, you say, which directly translates to their sadness on me. But I think when we talk about mental health stuff, we talk about, I have depression, I have anxiety, I have whatever that is. And I always think that, uh, you know, when, when people start relating or kind of becoming that emotion, that it gets in there. I and, am. And it, like, yeah. I am depressed, I am. Yeah, no, that's anxious, me. It's because, yeah. it's because of my depression. It's like, you don't own that depression. You know, mm. that's not yours. You feel depressed and, you know, get some support and help with that definitely. But like, I think the, uh, the language and the understanding of it and the stigma, you know, we say the stigma has to change, but the stigma is, is unfortunately the lack of understanding. That's the real, the real stigma isn't that people will judge you. It's the lack of understanding of what the emotion feels like. And it's the lack of understanding of, you know, of what it is. It's not, look, there are a lot of different scales and variants to mental health disorders and issues. I know that. But for general anxiety that, that some people may suffer, like it can be something that with the right conversation can be very quickly resolved, adapted, and in, in a lot of ways can springboard you forward in your life. Mm. Um, and I think that awareness and that conversation is, is still something that we're lacking and that um, you know society needs to learn how to communicate better. I don't know how that's done. And perhaps this is the type of way, um, you know, kids, dogs humans we all feel anxiety at different times it's like saying i never want to feel it again i need to get rid of my exact anxiety to me that's like somebody saying i never want to feel love again i never want to feel anger again i never want to feel whatever that is it's it's an emotion that's part of it's an uncomfortable emotion that's part of who we are and and what makes us up and and if it's gone you know we're, we're numbing off a sense of our body that's unfortunately that can come knocking again in a different manner if we if we don't address it well thanks for sharing that john and it's interesting for me to hear you talk about anxiety because you are so physically fit and it's what you do for a career and also like nutrition i know and mindfulness and everything is so important to you i would have thought that because of all that that you wouldn't really get too anxious but i also thought when i was thinking about guests for this particular episode holistically and again correct me if i'm wrong but i i would imagine what's most beneficial for a man a man in terms of managing his mental health or good mental hygiene it would be moving the body and also mm. nutrition and also conversation which is why i thought you two coming from your different worlds would yeah. would make for a really interesting conversation so mm -hmm. it's interesting for me to hear that you know, the lacking part was the conversation and that has actually really helped. So perhaps my suspicion was correct. It is movement and conversation. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, uh, I think it's a 10 pronged attack. And, you know, a lot of times people think I need to exercise and then my anxiety will go yeah. or I need to go to therapy and then my anxiety will go. And it's not really. It is a 10 pronged attack. There's many factors. It's working on sleep quality. It's the social circles. It's conversation. It's men's groups. It's perhaps leaving a job, leaving a relationship, dealing with an awkward conversation, dealing with parasites, fungal, bacterial overgrowth, whatever that might be, dealing with heavy metals, dealing with your nutrition. You know, there's, there's many factors to it. And I think once you try and find one switch, uh, the, the problem is it's not easy. So when, when we try and find one switch that's going to switch it off, we don't really switch it fully off. You know, we dim it. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And um, one, of, one of the things that I'd also add to that is one of the biggest parts of the conversation that is missing around 
I mean, mental health, men's mental health is uh, the nervous system and how the nervous system plays a hugely important part in how we store trauma in our body. So, you know, this is something that if anyone's ever come across things like breath work, they say the body keeps the score. It's why things like yoga is known to be ex extremely healing. Something that I'm about to kind of really kind of step into is understanding the relationship between where emotional trauma is stored in the body um, and how practices like yoga can release that. But, mm -hmm. you know, being able to regulate your nervous system. So anxiety is, is basically a state where our, our body and our nervous system is in fight or flight. It's, it's, you know, it's switched on. It's literally your whole body top to bottom is, is ready to, to fight or, or run away. Again, it could be based on a thought pattern. It could be based on a, a very real situation that's right in front of you. But being able to downregulate your nervous system and just, uh, it sounds a little bit oversimplified, but, but breathing, conscious breathing patterns, being able to actually downregulate and get you out of a fight or flight state is really important. Um, and that's why, again, just as John said, having many different practices and different things that you can go to can help you work through feelings of anxiety or feelings of depression. So, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy is a great option, is obviously a talk-based therapy. So that very much focuses on the thought aspect. If you're looking to maybe get into the relationship with, well, what happens when you feel anxious? You actually feel it throughout your body. You feel it in your chest. You feel, you know, a heavy weight on your chest. You might feel it in the pit of your stomach. And being able to actually engage in practices like breath work is a hugely powerful way of, of tapping into that and actually moving that energy through your body and releasing it. Mm. Super. Really interesting stuff. It's one of the reasons why things like running works, like people say going for a run, you know, it, one of the big reasons why going for a, a run is actually hugely beneficial other than the physical, you know, endorphins and, you know, the chemical release that we experience is because it gets you into a rhythmic process of breathing. And then that actually helps move the energy through the body. So again, That's... something that people don't really talk about is why running is such a great way of, of relieving tension and stress. I remember when me and John spoke, because I was really interested in it, he works in terms of like energy imbalances and that's surely got to be a factor into when you, your mental health can sort of take a nosedive. Yeah, 100%. I mean, energy imbalances can be spoken about on a couple of different levels. So you can look energetically from a, a, an actual training point of view. Um, and you can look energetic, energetically from a spiritual point of view or from a Chinese or alternative medicine point of view. And I'm a big fan of all of that. And... Um, the energetic piece of training that I think where a lot of people go wrong it, and not even go wrong, but where a lot of people can get lost is start an exercise regime to help as, as a tool to help combat some mental health stuff. And they will feel the endorphin release from it. And once you start feeling the endorphin release, that's a feel good factor where they're like, I feel dead and I want more of this. But what they're missing is that rhythmic cyclical aerobic piece. That's really, really important. And that doesn't mean they need to go doing long runs, but, where most people will traditionally go with training now, hit high intensity work because you know what, it sells programs. It's 20 minutes of exercise. Let's go, let's smash it. Let's do your burpees and get you feeling like a sweat and they'll feel that burn. And, and my experience with clients uh, who have done that for, for extended periods of time, especially is that that actually over time burns them out and brings on a lot more, can bring on a lot more in that mental health space where they've overdone a little bit. You got to remember that high intensity training is extremely stressful on your body. If you want to train with intensity, you know, once or twice a week is good, but, but the rest of your week needs to be balanced out with some form of restorative work, whether that's zone one aerobic work like running, uh, like swimming, which is quite rhythmic and quite mindful in itself because you have no distractions or some yoga breath work practices as well. If you're just smashing yourself with the high intensity stuff all the time, you're only filling one, one of your jugs, there's, there's other stuff that needs needs energy put into it as well so that's very important from an energy balance point of view when i think of like how men like to work out and maybe that this is my perception and a lady perception is that it's like pumping iron or doing the hit sessions and and yeah. that yoga is seen and mindfulness is and i'm air quoting girly and so that's yeah. why men don't i think that's shifting because of the pandemic but i still sure. think we've got a you way know to what's go an interesting piece of that right if we were to change the language on, on, on that instead of this is how men train and this is how women train, we, we could, what we could say is masculine and feminine people will be drawn towards a, a certain type of training. Mm. So if you were to look at kind of how masculine or feminine people are kind of 
effectively their traits of masculine people tend to be more driven by, you know, goal orientated, hit this target, hit that target, whereas more feminine based people will be more driven by the emotional reward of getting somewhere and being told that they were great. And, you know, that so you will see what what a stereotypical masculine man might be, which for some in some cases that I would have been put in that box at times. I never get rewarded. I ran an ultra marathon and finished it. And the, most, the best part of it was getting hugged off my fiance at the end and people telling me, thank you for inspiring me. It had nothing to do with the fact that I'd ran 230 kilometers. I couldn't care less about it. I've never been driven by like a material goal that way. I get driven more by different factors. So I think there's again that coming back to my first point of when men get into a gym and they're, they're, it's like, we don't know how to act. So it's like, throw more weight on or again we'll slam that bar in the ground i'm going to do all that and then like i don't get this whole gym thing it's not for me but, but the reality is that you may they may need to learn how to breathe into their hips breathe into their lower back and you know feel feel an energetic set of tension that builds up into their spine before they lift the weight learn to run fast learn to throw something and have that combined energetic training so that all of a sudden they're feeling many benefits to exercise not this benefit of oh my god you know i'm the big strong guy with the big biceps now chicks are going to love me that's why i go to the gym and mm. um, so i think our fulfillment from from training and our sense of what we should be doing from the training is again is something that has been written already for us and we're seeing it on social media tv etc etc that we are supposed to be those big macho strong guys that love all that and throw weights around the place and that's where people can get lost with their exercise and not experience the amazing benefits from a properly structured exercise program that they should be experiencing. Mm. Men mm. and women, just for the record, there's, there's girls uh, I, I train who just like, I want to do Pilates, I want to do yoga, I just can't get into it, but they feel they should because it's what their friends do. And I'm like, well, let's try some barbell work, let's try some strength stuff. And they, they deadlift their body weight and they feel so empowered by that. And <laughs> they get such a sense of strength and internal strength from that, that it just translates across into every aspect of their life. So. I think when we pigeonhole ourselves into any aspect, in, in, in any aspect of our life, uh, you know, I, th- I think when we do that, there's a danger there that we will we'll either pass that section out but try and stay in that box or just not be in the right box that we think we're supposed to be in. I'm sure James can word that a lot better than me. Well, James, <laughs> I was just thinking about you talk about the ego a lot, don't you, on your socials? And, and I wonder, does this play a part here? Yeah, I was, I was going to make a point what John said there because he's you know made some great points and I was thinking you know the reality is it's about your intention right and two things intention and awareness so what's my intention with you know stepping into a new exercise program stepping into a gym because the reality is that if you're going in there without a level of awareness and intention for that to be you know for a lot of men in particular men can very easily and very quickly once they for example uh, I used to run a personal training business a few years ago and I saw it I actually even felt it a little bit myself when I got myself into shape you know originally it was because I knew that there were benefits around mental health I'd been struggling and I wanted to really kind of start taking care of myself then there was a case of okay well actually I'm really enjoying it I'm going to become a personal trainer and I really wanted to help people and I definitely definitely enjoyed that you know that intention piece was coming from you know, my heart, it wasn't from my head and it wasn't from my ego. I didn't, I wasn't looking for the plaudits of, you know, okay, well actually I now look great and I'm going to get loads of people telling me I look great and that's going to feed my ego and make me feel really good. Um, So when people step into a new training program, it's also about their awareness of what, why am I, why am I doing this? Because actually, actually also from a mental health piece, it's sometimes it's okay if you need a bit of a distraction from, you know, your, your struggles, right? You know, so if you're having a difficult time and actually, do you know what going for a run for for 20 minutes or you know going down to the gym after work that can be a great distraction it gives you a level of focus it gets you out of your head it gets you into your body gets your attention away from whatever you're feeling and thinking that's causing you pain but you know if someone is smashing the gym you know double sessions every single day before work after work and they're training 10 11 12 you know times a day and there's a different level of intention there. That's almost an addict, that's an addictive exactly. quality and that's a distraction quality rather than it being, again, the intention has shifted. You know, I'm going for a run. Great. Well, okay. But you've been, you've been for a run 10 times this week, James. And if you're going, oh no, it's just because I really like it. Then you actually, you're not aware that you're probably trying to just distract yourself. You're, you're, you're actually 
yeah, you're moving away from the other work. And as John said earlier, the, the kind of the multifaceted approach to, to working on mental health, you do need to talk, you need to move, you need to breathe, you need to do the nervous system work. Uh, you need to find safe spaces to express yourself. So the men's circle stuff, like mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot to it. And, you know, we do, we do try and hope that it would be because, you know, we, we understandably all want simple solutions. If we're struggling mentally and we're feeling like we're really, really, things are difficult, we want there to be a simple solution. And of course, the way that things are marketed at us this, you know, through social media and things is here's the quick fix. Um, I would say it's, it's, yeah, it's understanding that multifaceted approach and taking your time to learn and step into spaces where you can, you know, working with a coach in, in any of those, you know, arenas, again, whether it's the therapist, a personal trainer, a breathwork guide, a men's coach, whatever it might be, but All of them, there's yeah. absolutely that, you know, and, and find what works for you. I, th I've, I think it's such a lovely way, like I'll start with clients and even working online with clients um, and, you know, we'll go through some sort of movement screening, chat about goals, chat about what their expectations are, say, you know, what's their values, see where they want to go with things. And very quickly then I'll be like, you know, there's this fantastic kinesiologist I want you to talk to, or there's, um, you know, there's a great uh, psychotherapist or there's a sports psychologist, or there's a, an osteopath. Um, and I love like, if in the perfect world, I'd have a clinic that had all of these people in house and people would come in and we'd get your file and we'd go and we'd have a way of assessing all of your needs, assessing what's going on. And then, you know, let's do some work with our, with our really detailed nutritionist here. Let's do some analysis on what's happening with your gut and look at your microbiome in some more detail. There's a kinesiologist. I mean, I'm a big fan and a big believer in, in the whole concept that there's a lot more going on to the human body than we have, a, any, than we have any knowledge about. And, um, you know, and when you allow that mentality to be the case and you, you, you allow healing, our body has an innate capacity to heal itself. Okay. And it has, it has a desire to return to homeostasis and effectively just keep regenerating and staying healthy and well. But a lot of times, you know, because of internal stressors, external stressors, lack of sleep, et cetera, we, that we, we don't allow that we get in our own way. So I think a lot of times when you can think spiritually and think alternative in your therapies, and, and, and open your mind to allow that, that deeper levels of healing can occur and happen and deeper, deeper levels of life satisfaction come from that as well. Um, and you, the people who tell me that, you know, for example, I have clients who I would suggest, I'm like, you know, you probably need to be attracted to someone about the fact that you're always speaking so negatively about yourself. They're like, what do you, you know, because you'll see this in a gym, you'll see when people are, people are training or hitting that, they'll be like, I'm such a FY, or that's typical of me to not do this and blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, my job is just to observe and to give my, you know, if there's something I feel like I need to talk to you about, we talk about it. And a lot of times they'll say, oh, my head's too busy to meditate or my head's too busy to go and talk to someone. Like, well, that's like the person that's saying they're too overweight to exercise. I feel like to move forward, first of all, like James, the very first thing that James mentioned, you know, partners can't fix somebody else. So to move forward, there has to be a desire to change and, 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 and to heal, not to change. You don't know, we're not asking for people to change, we're asking people, you know, we're suggesting that if you want to feel better, you gotta, you gotta take control. And otherwise you're the wrecking ball in your own life that this self-destruction is gonna manifest in different ways. Um, but if people are open to that and do that, I feel like the more they're open to like universal seeing what the world has out there, seeing what works for different people, whether that is some level of Reiki or whether that is meditation or whether that is just simple breath work instead of a traditional anti-anxiety medication and seeing a psychologist once a month. My experience with my clients and people I've worked with, when people take that open pronged approach to it, they get this feeling of, oh my God, I've got this, I've got this team of people who support me and help me on my healing journey, you know? And, mm -hmm. and, it, and it just completely changes. Their, their dialogue around where they're going with their life, the expression on their face, the color of the pallor of, of their skin, uh, their, their digestive issues, like all of these things can change with the right support. And, and, and to, to think that there's a personal trainer that can fix it, a doctor that can fix it, or one psychologist that can fix it, I think that's maybe a little bit naive of us. We're not doing the human body any justice by thinking that it's as simple a machine as that. You know, if you have a scratch on your car, you need, uh, uh, whatever you call them, panel beater to fix it. If you have 
something going on with a wheel, you can take it to this shop where you're getting your tires. But like if the engine needs fixing, it might need a mechanic, it might need a specialist. So why do we not have that same approach to our, to our bodies as well and our mind and our psyche and our energy, you know? Do you think like men are sort of scared to open Pandora's box a little bit by going inwards more so than women? Yeah. The world is external to men. You know, we are taught to again compete and value things based on the external so that comparison element and that com competition element amongst men teaches us again that in order to deem ourselves worthy or valuable we need to be at a certain level of again provider family you know husband father all of those aspects but the stuff that goes on introspectively and internally the emotional piece that's why you get men who will you know, maybe men, maybe a man would cheat on their partner and he wouldn't be able to tell you why. The answers were inside him, but he kept trying to look outside of his relationship for something that would mm. fulfill him. And he thought he would find it in another partner. Uh, it would be the reason why a man would pursue the, I don't know, the new job, the new career, the promotion, work really hard for it, achieve it, and then still feel unfulfilled. And you'll go, why aren't I feeling happier? You know, you, you hear constantly stories of men who achieve whether it's success financially i mean the 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 stories that i hear directly indirectly of you know male suicide are often men who on the external had it all together mm. they had a great family they had a really good supportive loving you know like family network whether that was their parents their partner their children their friendship network you know good job nice car uh, go on holidays, nice watch, all the material or external things. And then they go and end their own life and everyone is sat there going, why? And it's because they, in their mind, often tried everything but going inwards. And mm -hmm. actually, because that is truly, truly terrifying for so many men. And again, that comes down to the shame that they carry around very, very natural, very human, very healthy emotions that we all have, but we are made to feel by society that we should not have those and that it is less than manly to have those. Wow, guys, this is deep stuff. This is so enlightening. <laughs> Thank you. I don't want to keep you for too much longer. I'm going to share some of the feedback I got from other guys just to get your, your sort of take on it as well. This one's from a guy called John who said, um, men worry about the same things as women in many cases. Here's a few I can think of. Their weight, looks, going bald, which is a traumatic experience for some men, especially when they are younger their jobs and status, how women see them, i.e. are they attractive, overweight, etc. Being seen as weak, whether they are good lovers, good fathers or friends. Um, then, of course, how do they deal with mental health issues of their own or friends or partners? And finally, I'd add about their own health. Um, many men avoid doctors for years until it is too late, which I know John has definitely, when I spoke to him last time, has worked with clients where, you know, it's that prolonged thing of going to see a doctor and it could be fixed yeah. holistically a lot earlier on. Yeah. What do you think of, of, of that from John? All his points are definitely valid and things that we've, we've spoken about here for sure. I mean, I, I think the fact that one guy can write in and have so many topics that he can quickly pass over on, on something like that shows how much men are struggling really that, that you know there are there are expectations there are societal things you know we're being condemned for this or we're doing something wrong and it's always men i mean there's i don't know about the uk but there's a recent attack and very sad uh, tragic event happened and i mean a guy murdered a girl very you know there's no condoning it but like the outroar at men on Instagram, it, it that is difficult. I, I fear that that can be a dangerous thing for men. And um, that's not condoning any behavior of any, but I feel like we need, I, I don't have the answer to that, but I feel like men are struggling a lot more than perhaps they are, are letting on. Men are getting hammered a little bit. You know, everyone's struggling for, for, for in their own way, perhaps, but I, I feel like men are getting hammered a little bit and, and we don't really know how to behave anymore. You know, I think that's yeah. part of the issue. Yeah, I would. I mean, on on that point, just what the the gentleman John wrote in about. I mean, 
completely agree that men struggle with exactly the same things you know stuff around body image you know the 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 conversations if you think if you say the word you know an eating disorder if you say anorexia or bulimia or something along those lines it's likely that the first uh, image or person that you would think of would be a woman you know i believe that it's around 25 percent. and again I, I shouldn't really just say statistics unless i've got them backed up because i'm not to just put unsubstantiated stuff out there but i have read something recently that said something about it's approximately one in four eating disorders are men and again that isn't it's when we frame these things often as well oh well a man or a woman you know i did it earlier when i talked about the fact that three times as many uh suicides are male versus female but when we constantly frame things like that we actually almost pit men versus women against each other and we're saying you know well so therefore are the women other other female suicides not important no not at all you know uh but men do struggle with those same things and for me it's the only way that we combat that and the way that we begin to heal that is by normalizing it making sure that we raise awareness make sure that we talk about this stuff like normalizing is such a huge part of this we need to make sure that the stigma is being reduced stigma is being kind of quashed and and we make it normal to talk about yeah whether it's a man being bulimic or a man being as you know as well as the all of the other conversations around whichever genders are suffering and things like that yeah well kind of on that thread as well i didn't re- maybe it's me being naive but i didn't realize so many men worried about performance in the bedroom but that came up in every comment that I received and I I kind of thought it was a thing that girls worried about and you know the pressure pressure on I mean again the pressure on men to perform sexually uh men are so performance oriented and end goal oriented it's all about finishing rather than pleasure so men are not pleasure focused and they're not present in the moment with their partners. Men feel an, often an immediate pressure as soon as they're going into a sexual situation with a partner that the pressure is on them to perform and they have to finish. So if they do not, or if they cannot for whatever reason, which is, let's be honest, super common, happens to everyone, and it should never be deemed that if you don't then you haven't done it right or you haven't performed well enough but you are made to feel that way if you don't um and yeah that comes from porn and society and all sorts of other you know unhelpful things that uh, definitely put that pressure on men so it's a massive conversation rabbit hole that you could get in but that is (laughs) very that is a huge huge issue and it's i mean things are joked about online about whatever with men and, and it is i mean i know a lot of younger guys even um who are struggling with that and i mean i spoke to a 24 year old guy who takes viagra on a regular basis i mean that's just wrong that's just should not be the case and you know it's not up to me to delve too far into that with someone like that but then you know that it seems to become more and more of an issue and it's like you said james probably related to the accessibility of porn and the expectations and all that sort of stuff Mm. something i think women could definitely be a bit maybe more mindful of as well Sure. Uh, okay. So, hey, Gabs, for your show, I'd address postnatal depression in men. The statistics are almost identical to women. However, on experience, there is zero support or guidance for men and everything is mm-hmm. geared towards the mother. I didn't know that. Yeah, I had, a, I had a friend of mine reach out a few years ago who had experienced that. And um, it was the first time I'd heard of a man opening up because he he put a post up on his social media um, and shared very openly. He really owned it and it was a powerful post. It was really impressive to, to see a man be that vulnerable. And he did it because it's exactly, it is exactly as described. Men suffer deeply often after the birth of a child, but they, they themselves are often not aware that that's what they're going through. They think it's just the stress and the tiredness of having a newborn or, mm-hmm. you know, again, it comes back to that awareness piece around their own emotions and that willingness or ability to look inwards and go, what, what the hell is going on right now? Actually, I'm re- this isn't this isn't just feeling a little bit down. This isn't just struggling a bit. So, again, huge, hugely again another rabbit hole that can be gone down but important to highlight the, the you know make make people aware that that men struggle in that area too for sure yeah wow. interesting yeah definitely okay one more this is from a counselor generally speaking uh, blokes do tend to keep deep rooted issues affected them to themselves whereas girls tend to be more open and have a better support network of friends 
Also, some men have been brought up to be a man and not share their emotions in all the counselling work I have done. It has been much, much harder to get the male of the species to open up. So mm. I think we've covered a lot of that, but um, that was yeah, from Steve. I'll, I'll give an interesting little thing that I've I, I just reflected on this before uh, when you guys asked me onto this, and I know mental health and expectations of men and stuff. I've, in the last few years, had a number of cases where uh, clients of mine have asked me to train their kid, their son, for rugby or for sport or for this or for that or for whatever the other piece to it is. I mean, this is just an observation, and it's not even you know informative maybe, but the, the, the goal from the parent in question each time was because the kid wasn't mentally strong enough. And I, I thought this wow. was such a strange thing that someone would come to me and ask me to use exercise as a means to toughen their kid mentally. And it, there's been a, I've had a number of conversations with people about it who have asked me for this. And this is just something recently, right? So it was a three to one split, two dads, one mom, okay? And that, that, that said it. And I mean, look, it's only three people, but at the same time, I thought it was such an interesting thing that in over 20 years, I've not experienced that before, that someone would yeah. first of all go out and say, my kid needs to be mentally stronger. And secondly, that, that there was an association that that was my job, first of all, or that was something that exercise did. Mm. So yes, exercise can help you know, build resilience, can improve your mental health, and, and you know, in turn, make you a bit mentally tougher. I think mental toughness is a funny statement in a sense. You know, it's like, well, what is mental toughness? You know, is it, does that just mean that you endure more suffering? Or does that just mean that you become more aware of what can be a trigger? So now you're more, you're more resilient to allowing that happen. And you then, therefore, you know, you let that emotion go and you cry. You know, so that conversation was just such a strange one for me to have that parents would be looking to make their kids mentally tougher through like effectively beating them into ground workouts. It sounds like a lot of the messaging that we talk about, you know, of, of how parents speak to their children and how they raise their children. That is, that for me, just as an observation is really, really what you're doing is you're telling your children that they're not strong enough or that their emotions are not healthy. They need to develop. It's toughness. It's not resilience. And what you said there is absolutely spot on. Resilience is actually the ability to process and feel fully rather mm. than resist and neglect emotions. I think resilience, mm. a guy called Josh Connolly does some incredible work around. He is a resilience coach and a resilience, uh, yes, a speaker on resilience. And he reframes it really, really well. Um, you know, telling children that they're not strong enough mentally I think that's possibly one of the generational issues that we experience between parents and children in yeah. that what, what yeah. the parent is actually telling their child there is that the parent is not comfortable with the child's emotions. Either performance, emotions, uh, and yeah. that therefore the, the parent is not comfortable. So therefore the child needs to change. So, yeah, that's so interesting. Cause I mean, I'm clearly not a psychologist, but I, my observation in each situation where this has been the case, I will, I don't have kids. It's very easy for me to have an observation on it, but and um, it would be that there's like this is clearly the parents' issue. That's you know either they didn't deal with as a kid or they're not able to deal with with their kid, right? But um, look, it's just something to be aware of if there's parents of kids out there. Mm. I mean, were they were exercise. they all boys? The children that needed yeah, to be tougher. They're all boys. They're all, they're all boys that played rugby. Ironically, mm. the whole theme of this is awareness, isn't it? It's like we, parents awareness of what mental toughness is for a, a boy or mum's awareness of what, what mental toughness is for a boy and a dad, all of that sort of stuff. I think the reality is, you know, the, the world needs to heal itself and we all heal each other and we all, you know, a, a global awareness is, is really what helps fix and create change. How that starts, how that ripples and how that translates to to touch everybody is a massive undertaking and a massive conversation that starts with awareness and then, you know, is, is then very closely followed by some, some level of action because we all know that, you know, that the whole piece to, to change is that, like, to take the fitness piece, like, people are, people are interested in, let's just use dropping body fat to, be, to use a very shallow uh, comparison. People are interested, you know, they, they want to do it like that's good but like very few are committed to change and committed to growth and committed to it so i think 
and um, awareness needs to precede commitment and, and support to kind of help facilitate what conversations needs to happen for for men's health to improve mm, yeah and so just to kind of wrap it up in one final question and this has been incredible if we if we look at say 10 15 years ago versus today and again focusing on men's mental health are we heading in the right direction or do we still have a, a, a way to go? Because I know mental health is its almost become a buzzword, hasn't it, over the past however many mm. years. People are a lot more open in terms of talking about it generally. But in terms mm. of like men's mental health, I mean, you've, you both of you have taught me so much today and there's been so many aha moments that I just didn't think about being a girl, I suppose, and just not being inside the brain of a fella. So, yeah. 10 years ago versus today, where are we at with men's mental health? I, I would say both. So we've, we've moved the conversation forward massively. There's been a tremendous amount of really, really great work. The mental health conversation is far less stigmatised than it ever was. Men actually reach out more, more than ever to get help with their mental health. You know, men self-referring to the um, like NHS services here in the UK, the, the, the rates are at an all-time high. The accessibility is often not as easy as, as, as you'd like, but, you know, delays and things like that. But men are, are, we're absolutely, there's been some incredible, incredible work done over the last, you know, 10, 15 years or so. At the same time, there's still a massive, massive amount of work to do. I think that, um, you know, through helping men become more, in touch with again that full emotional spectrum learning about compassion being compassionate towards themselves and compassionate towards others learning to feel their feelings fully there's still a massive amount of work to do with that you know that that sort of stuff actually is generational and and that stuff does come down and play down through the generations we've been through a pretty difficult last two or three generations particularly since the war and men after that period became very very emotionally shut down and shut off and so that's why you see a lot of issues with men and their fathers. And but I think right now we're in a position where the awareness that we have around men's mental health, men's emotions, this is where we're doing an incredible amount of healing. And it's important that we do that because we want to make sure that we heal ourselves and we teach our children to heal themselves as well and, and express themselves fully. So, yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, that's such a, I love the generational piece. And, and a lot of times it's like we said about thinking bigger picture a lot of times the emotions we're feeling are not our own emotions it's something that we've inherited effectively uh, on some level and that in itself is something that the conversation needs to go into your community your circles of people you're talking to your family your parents etc uh, i think the men's mental health conversation has, has opened up and has improved but it's kind of similar to the unfortunate you know um, obesity epidemic that we're facing that you're seeing extremes in both directions you're seeing people who are getting really fit and are in great shape and you're seeing people who are putting on more and more weight than ever before likewise with mental health so if you see people who you know 10 years ago i certainly wouldn't have been having a conversation like this or been able to probably have a conversation like this or engage in a conversation like this or add anything to it and i could have this conversation with over the dinner table with any one of my friends at the moment and and you know, these are guys who in a lot of a lot of ways are, you know, former professional athletes and business people. And I can talk about what, like I can say, look, you know, I've, there's times I've wanted to have a little cry or I can feel like I could have a cry. In front of so I think that conversation has dramatically improved. But I feel like the world is is also we've, there's a there's a delayed or a sub threshold PTSD from what we've gone through for the last couple of years. Uh, combined with unhealthy living, unhealthy lifestyles, and that in turn is going to cause more mental health issues to come up. In in my view, um, unfortunately, you know, there's a there's a global pandemic and a world war, and people have sat at home on Zoom, eating junk food. So they, there's a spillover from that. People are really, really suffering. So the conversation is better, but I don't know if the situation is better. Mm. Guys, thank you so much. This has been fantastic. You're both legends, really. <laughs> I wish, I, I, wish I could hug you both. I'm virtually hugging you through oh, the Zoom. I love it. I love a good hug. <laughs> a good virtual good hug. hug. <laughs> I could have kept you for another hour, but I won't. Well, but um, Let's do part two. Yeah, yeah we could do. <laughs> Cheers. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you, guys. Lovely talking to you. Cheers, guys. Take care. Hello. 
it's Gabby back with you. Thank you again to John Beltham and James Walsham for such an incredible conversation. My mind was absolutely blown after chatting with the guys. And if you want to know more from them or hear more from them, I'm going to give you their Instagram handles. John is at John Beltham. It's spelled J-O-H-N-B-E-L-T-O-N. And you can find James on Instagram at The Honest Bloke. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to this episode. We've got one more to drop next Tuesday, and that is going to conclude series one of the podcast. If you don't already follow My Possible Self on socials, we're at My Possible Self on Instagram and Twitter. And I've been at Radio Gabby. Until next time, take care and bye for now. <laughs>